Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of the book Cybersecurity Readiness, a holistic and high-performance approach, a SAGE publication. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and workshops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with chief information security officers. Dr. Chatterjee is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia. As a Duke University visiting scholar, Dr. Chatterjee has taught in the Master of Engineering and Cybersecurity program at the Pratt School of Engineering. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series. To set the stage for the discussion, Significant fines in excess of $2 billion have been levied on organizations in the financial services sector for failing to capture, retain, and supervise communications. This crackdown on non-compliant communications is the clearest indicator yet that regulators have lost patience with firms that still haven't addressed supervision and record-keeping risks that were exacerbated by the pandemic. My guest today, Garth Landers, who is the Director of Global Marketing at Heta Lake, is here to discuss how businesses can mitigate risks from unmonitored communication channels. Garth specializes in e-discovery, information governance, data protection, enterprise content services, archiving, and regulatory compliance business issues. Welcome, Garth. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for the welcome, and it's a pleasure to be here. I'm really grateful for the opportunity, and I'm sure we're going to have a great discussion. Absolutely. This is such an important topic. I can't uh, emphasize enough how important it is, and it is so relatable listeners, whether at the individual level or at a professional level, we are constantly using devices to communicate. So getting a better sense of how to secure these kinds of communications is immensely important. But um, before we dive into the discussion, Garth, uh, please share some highlights of your professional journey with uh, the listeners. Thank you, Dave. Um, I will. So um before I came to Theta Lake, my career has been characterized sort of as a back and forth journey over the past two decades. And, and that journey has really been between being an industry analyst, a couple of stints at Gartner earlier in my career, as well as more recently in the past decade, uh, where I focused on governance issues, e-discovery, as you mentioned, you know, governance risk and compliance, policy issues, lots of discussion working in in, uh, segments like financial services, advising organizations, large global regulated organizations, what to do with their data, you know, through its entire life cycle, the security implications of that. And then the other part of my journey between those two stints at Gartner and most recently have been as working in the software field and working with, uh, as a vendor and talking about and uh, guiding customers on their journey throughout these different trends in the governance, risk, and compliance, and security arenas 
also during those last two decades. So I've had the the privilege of working for firms at different stages, different sizes. I mentioned Gartner early on. I worked in in the New York metro area with Mobius Management Systems and later on with EMC, where, as you can imagine, lots of issues uh, and different platforms and portfolios, data management there. And then most recently uh, at a leader in email security, Mimecast, and today at Fatal 8, where I joined uh, roughly a year ago, uh, this week, in fact. It's been a privilege to really have the opportunity and see the the growth and evolution and, you know, dating myself, you know, we're going to talk about today's modern workplace and and collaboration platforms and how customers are uh, or how organizations are returning to office or engaging in hybrid or engaging in mobile. And of course, I can remember, you know, relatively not that long ago was, you know, we were all in an office and we were my goodness, using paper and other things, and I won't, I won't go any further than that. But it's been a, it's been a tremendous ride. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing that, and I couldn't agree with you more. The pandemic has really forced us to reflect, to reevaluate. So it is not all bad as far no. as the pandemic is concerned. This a lot of good has come out of it. It's forced us to look for more efficient and effective ways of doing our work. At the same time, as we embrace more technology to facilitate collaboration, coordination at a global level, it also comes with its challenges. And security is obviously right at the top, security and privacy. That's kind of the discussion we are getting into. We'll be using the word modern communications, unified communication tools. I thought of mentioning to the listeners, what do we mean by that? That could mean tools such as Zoom, WebEx, Microsoft Teams, RingCentral, Slack, Symfony, whiteboarding, mobile messaging, document sharing, fax, email. It's a wide set of two communication tools that are uh, available to us and we, are, we use them extensively. And so our discussion will address the security and the privacy and the archiving of the information that is being captured through these various communication channels. So I just wanted to give listeners a sense of the terrain that we are about to cover. One more thing I wanted to mention before turning it back to you, uh, Garth, and that is Peta Lake has produced an excellent report. I was reviewing your 2022 Modern Communications Compliance and Security Report, which was which is based on the views and experiences of over 500 compliance and security professionals across global financial services, healthcare, insurance, and government sectors. And it's fantastic that today we can discuss some of the findings. So with that, I'll turn it back to you. I spoke too long, Garth. <laughs> That's quite all right. And thank you again for those kind words. That that survey is impressive. It's the work of almost uh, one person at our firm, Stacey English, who came from Thomson Reuters and was a regulatory advisor in her past life and today guides organizations uh, about what the regulators are doing because she talks and interacts with them and, and has her ear to the ground. And so, yeah, she was able to really take those those feedback loops from 500 
you know, IT and compliance professionals and distill it into some really meaningful data points we'll talk about today. Um, to get to your, your original question there, I think, was about what are we, when we talk about modern communication tools and modern collaboration, what, what are we talking about? And it's interesting because, you know, when does modern, you know, just become current, what we're doing today? I think early on, we talked about, you know, certainly there's a segment of platforms that we talk about today and unified communications. And those are all of the aforementioned leaders that you mentioned, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, WebEx by Cisco, Ring Central, Slack from Salesforce, all of whom, except for Microsoft, are in fact investors in Theta Lake. So I'll get that plug in there if you don't mind. But uh, they are all, you know, what we would call unified communications platforms. Now, today we work with not only those and not just those platforms. It's easy for us to think of those in generic terms. And I think that's where a challenge for organizations comes into place. We talk about the risk a little bit today. We'll talk about modalities. And all of those platforms are equipped with different modalities, whether, you know, it's chat, chat as a standalone or chat in meeting, mobile communications. Some of them have their own SMS and mobile applications. Certainly video, which, you know, we're we're using today and talking and interacting, and it's just becoming so pervasive. Most of these channels and modalities are starting to eclipse email, we found in that survey, which is really impressive when you think about email having a basically a 30-year head start. We're at that tipping point now where some of these, like chat, are eclipsing those. And then, you know, in addition to those platforms, you mentioned some other interesting developments in modern communications, whiteboards. You know, whiteboards are something that it's hard to imagine a few years ago that we'd be doing this, right? We'd be collaborating visually in a shared environment. You don't need to be a graphic artist. Uh, you don't need to be highly technical, but you can ideate, collaborate, share ideas, and do it in a dynamic visual medium like whiteboards. And those are important too. Are those business records, right? They are persistent. They, you know, evolve over time. All of these things we've talked about thus far across the modalities and everything else, they also have attachments, files, links, emojis, reactions, GIFs. So it's just an incredibly dynamic, uh, ever-changing High volume, right? Just the the acceleration of data in these environments is enormous. And you could begin a conversation like we are today in we could have be, we began it in email saying, Are you ready? And then maybe go to chat and meeting and then turn the cameras on and we're using voice. And then we could be sharing likes and reactions and all of those things too. So all of that accumulates and at some level. In, especially in regulated industries and even in non-ones, you know, there's a potential security risk and governance and compliance risk in terms of what you do with that data. So, you know, I just touched on a few. You could go into more. Certainly the workplace and, you know, we see things like Microsoft Viva Engage, which was, you know, a new evolution for enterprise social you know, there's just really the growth and acceleration and dynamic uh, ability of these tools is amazing. And the, I think you alluded to it, the COVID-19 epidemic, we use the term modern. Well, those trends were starting to take place before COVID-19 struck us all in 2020, three years ago. And now 
they're embedded, those trends have accelerated and they've been with us. And for many people starting out in their career, they don't know, <laughs> you know, a different way. It's it's quite something. That's so true. And uh, I can't wait to get into uh, some of the research findings. Um, the first one that I'd like to talk about uh, with you uh, states that unmonitored communication channels remain the biggest risk. 66% of respondents, like two-thirds, say that it's likely employees in their companies are using unmonitored communication channels. And this presents one of the biggest risks for organizations in light of the intense regulatory scrutiny and enforcement surrounding channels such as WhatsApp. So Gar, I guess it makes common sense that when organizational members are using a variety of communication platforms made available to them, there is some risk of exposure. However, you are the expert. Can you break it down for us? Like when we say risk, what are yeah. these risks? Specifically, what concerns the regulators? Because they are the ones who are imposing these massive fines. Yeah, thank you. That's And that is a, a really amazing finding. You know, when you think about it, two thirds of an organization really believe that inside their organization, employees are using unmonitored communication channels. And then, you know, another 4% don't know, right? So it's it's clearly a fear factor. To answer your question, what are the risks and why are regulators concerned? The, the biggest issue here is, you know, if, if you look at the evolution of workplace communications, in the past four organizations that may have been in financial services or healthcare, you know, pre-cloud, we had a pretty simple dynamic. You know, we had data, it was housed in our organization, it was extremely centralized, and those tools that we used to communicate were pretty static. They were pretty uniform, whether you're the SEC or, you know, FINRA, NASDAQ or, you know, FCPA in the UK and EU regulatory bodies, they could look at email and they'd say, that's what people used. It's static. There's not a lot of change. I can do sort of searches and maintain control. I can destroy data at the end of its life cycle, although no one really ever got good at that. But, you know, it was fairly, it, there was a lot of conformity and a lot of control. Today, obviously, we talked about all those trends, you know, the decentralization, the acceleration of data, the, you know, the different mis the meshing mismatch of, you know, moving from one channel to another and the context switching. And of course, you know, the way that we work is there's a real blurring between personal and um, professional work lives. And so what does that look like in terms of things like data hygiene and the way we handle data and the way we might share a desktop where we're having a conversation today on a, a Zoom meeting and I share my desktop and you see something that's confidential or important. So, you know, sort of awareness training comes into play and, and really today, you know, a lack of awareness about the way we work. So regulators look at all of this and they say, well, wow, we're going to we're entrusted with ensuring the markets in the case of financial services are fair, just, 
no one has the inside track to insider information that they're going to you know pilfer or misuse or they're going to inflate the value of and uh, have material implications on the markets they're charged with making sure that you know those those things don't happen at a macro level and so organizations at a at a, at a micro level you know they see that and they say well if they're using what whatsapp and we catch them not monitoring that what else are they doing are they really making their best and most reasonable effort to put layers of control to monitor where necessary to search and retrieve and investigate and make sure that malfeasance isn't occurring and so they look at that they look at the something like an unmonitored channel like whatsapp and say that's an organization that probably doesn't have the best control and data hygiene and maybe understanding of what's taking place in their workforce. So it's obviously then, you know, the, you look at the, the risk themselves. And for the organization standpoint, that non-compliance, you talked about the $2 billion in fines, that's pretty significant. Uh, when you add that up, that's, that's a, uh, that has a material impact on them. But it also surfaces in ther- terms of things like reputational loss and bad press. And, you know, those things can have financial implications, too. Now, you mentioned it's not all uh, regulatory impact, and that's very true. I think a couple of other things to look at. We talked about sort of data hygiene and awareness training and situational awareness about how you're using and sharing data in a dynamic, low-friction workplace. The risk of loss of IP and data loss is another tremendous risk. Absolutely. Um, these applications, these these applications are empowering. And that's, you know, I want to make that clear today that and the guidance we're at Theta Lake in particular, we're really geared towards helping organizations be more productive because this has been a tremendous productivity gain. And the work from home evolution has given people hours and joy, you know, hours back that they didn't have um, when they were commuting or trapped in an office or stuck where, you know, far away from home and all of those things. It's given them tremendous joy, productivity, but it's made organizations really powerful. So, you know, our job is to enable that productivity and not to take away the use of these platforms. Now, data loss is one. And in that security sphere, what we see is also sort of configuration drift management. I'll, I'll break that down. It's a sounds very complicated, but it's not. But when you look at the security controls in some of these platforms, users often have a lot of control. They have control over hosting their own meeting and who can attend that, who can attend that from outside the, the organization. Is data sharing allowed? Is screen sharing allowed? Um, can we turn cameras off and then back on? And, you know, many of these controls, these policy implications are in those platforms and they change and drift and they don't conform over time. So organizations are empowering people to be productive and having virtual meetings, but they're also losing a sense of control over what are real policy implications that that they need to have in place. On the third one, I'll talk about just really quickly. And I don't think organizations are there yet. But, you know, the third, the, the other risk of unmonitored communications channels is that eventually these sets of data are going to be tremendous sources of information about your business. You know, they'll be mined. 
they'll be looked at. They already are being looked at for sentiment analysis and forecasting and demand and customer service. But we're going to get there. You know, it's going to we'll see a sea change there over time, especially with the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning, which we use on the compliance and governance end because you have to. We'll talk about data growth in a bit. But using unsanctioned channels prevents you from getting those insights as well. So that's down today. You know, today that's down on the list of concerns. I just want to add one more point if I can about this, because it's an important one. What we see as an evolution in terms of unmonitored, unsanctioned, or as many of us call it, shadow IT, you know, sort of communication channels. It's interesting why they develop. It's important to recognize They don't develop because everybody out there has nefarious employees and knowledge workers. That's that would be very cynical and very discouraging. I'm, I'm, you know, we don't believe that's the case. Uh, What's happening is these unmonitored communication channels pop up because, in many cases, organizations make the decision not to empower their employees. They give them a Zoom or a Cisco WebEx, or a Microsoft Teams, or a Ring Central, or a Slack, et cetera. But they don't fully enable it. They, they don't enable it. They don't turn on chat, or they don't allow file sharing, or polls, or whiteboards. And so what happens is employees, in many cases, go, this thing is terrible. This isn't what I, I want. This isn't what I'm used to in my r- personal life. Um, I want you know, a consumer grade experience. And so they're going to reach out and use and adopt those unmonitored communication channels. So you can actually be your own worst enemy if you become the voice of no. And the reason why are organizations saying no, it's because they fear, you know, they fear an inability to, they, they, they're used to a world of control, like the world of email. And now they're faced with a huge huge jump in trust and empowering those employees. And they think that, you know, that because an, you know, there haven't been a lot of tools to manage and secure and enable compliance in modern communication tools, they think the answer is just to say no and turn things off or not make them available. So it's sort of a uh, circular problem. So that's a really interesting, uh, Garth. You know, you talked about data hygiene. And that brings to mind communication hygiene. We are constantly communicating using different platforms. When I say we, I'm talking about individuals who are also employees. And it's so hard to be constantly aware of what are the do's and don'ts. Like you said, that oftentimes personal communication and professional communication gets mixed up. And we multi-process, we multitask. So at one moment, we are responding to a message. The next moment, we are uploading a document. And in the process, we might forget that, oh, this is a no-no or this is this is fine. So I almost feel that enforcing the communication protocols, the compliance requirements using technology and taking away the judgment of the individual taking away the expectation that individuals will re- will remember when to do what when it when it's when we are talking about communicating using different channels that might be the way to go and when i say this i also recognize that there might be pushback here that you are 
imposing certain restrictions on me and that's not fair. So, but I just offered an opinion here. I'll turn it back to you, Garth, and share with us what are some best practices? What are some recommendations? I know listeners would love to hear this. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, it it is, as we talked about, a real balancing act between empowering and you know enabling greater productivity, which all of these tools are capable of doing. And the balancing act required from compliance to maintain some degree of control so that malfeasance and bad behavior doesn't have an opportunity to surface. So how do we how do we do this? You know, it can seem overwhelming, I think, from a sheer data volume perspective, all of the things we talked about, high volume of data, all of the different modalities, all of the different ways of expressing ourselves. How can we possibly get started? Right. So I think a key thing to do is we rushed out a number of years ago, pandemic, with the urgency of enabling that productivity and making sure everyone was available and online and able to collaborate. Good. Um, now we're we're st- taking a step back and we're starting to say, how can we you know, make sure that governance and compliance and security are baked into that fabric of how we work? So I think the first thing you need to do is looking at it from an inventory standpoint, what do we have today? You know, how are we using these tools? What are we using the channels for? You know, if it's on a departmental basis, or if you've taken a best of breed approach, maybe you're using, you know, contact center here or voice, you know, here or voice over IP or video or mobile communications, you know, get a sense of the landscape, the obviously the sanction landscape and who's using these tools, who are they collaborating with? Um, you know, you don't need to go overboard, but you need to really avoid taking a top, as we move along here, I think it's really important. When this is coming from a governance and compliance and security guy, you think, man, this guy's going to say, be about control and top down. I'm going to say no. You need to really take the pulse of the organization and understand what those users like, what they want, what they're doing, what's going to impact them if you start to implement policies, start to put in potential restrictions, start to educate um, and look to over time, just as you remediate data, start to educate and remediate behavior through training. You need to start sequentially in terms of how are we going to put security and compliance into the fabric of modern communications. Most of us are using, our research shows us, on average, at least four different unified or modern communication tools. Now, you can imagine across a thousand person organization, across a 10,000 person organization and greater, and then multiply that across modalities, right? Voice, text, uh, video, whiteboard. It's enormous. So you really got to take it sequentially in terms of what problem am I going to solve first? And the thing that we take very seriously at Theta Lake is recognizing that. And you don't, we offer a modular solution. You don't have to embark on a whole platform and rip and replace. You want to be able to seamlessly integrate with your, your communication platforms today, take advantage of your existing archive or existing storage. 
and use something like Theta Lake. So, so take it sequentially. Policy standpoint, I was on a panel yesterday and I thought it was really interesting um, with some financial services organizations, retention policies, you know, way back when in the email days, you know, at Gartner, I used to get a lot of calls about retention policies and how long should we keep data? And it's great when there's regulatory guidelines because they give us a firm line of, you know, when we can get rid of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But retention policies are important in modern communications because you really need to understand what you're going to be using that data for, what constitutes a record. Maybe in the future, it, it represents an opportunity to mine. So, you know, three things I'd say, don't take a top-down approach, take it sequentially, do that content inventory. As part of that, get the pulse of the user, start to implement retention policies, which hard exercises to figure out what they are. Then you've got to put them in place. Then you need to audit them and make sure that you're doing them on a recurring basis. Excellent advice, excellent insights. A question that comes to mind uh, you know, as you're talking about these different communication channels, and the different modalities within each channel. Do you think an organization would be well served if they had written guidelines of the do's and don'ts when using certain channels and making that document readily available to all organizational members? Also, as part of communications training, assessing the level of awareness of these do's and don'ts. It it seems to me that uh, you almost need some guidance that are documented that you can review. So I'm kind of drawing on my framework that I like to prescribe when I advise companies on cybersecurity readiness. And the framework has three pillars, commitment, preparedness, and discipline. So as as we talk on this topic of communication, security, and compliance, I'm leaning towards the pillar of preparedness and discipline. How prepared can we be? And that's when I'm saying, well, one way of getting prepared is to make it explicit. The organization knows what the compliance requirements are. You just talked about policies, what the policies are. Make it explicit, state it. So employees are in the know of things. Do it during the onboarding process. Do regular reviews because people forget. And then maybe enforce it through the technological controls. And again, I want to qualify what I'm saying. I'm all for empowering people, not underestimating people's intentions. However, we forget. We make mistakes. We get caught up in different things. So almost as a safeguard, have these policies well-documented, make sure that as part of the training, learning experience, these policies are shared so people really understand what they're talking. And then on a regular basis, carry out, like you use the word audit, whether it's audit or some other form of assessment to see what's the level of awareness. So that's kind of the way I was thinking about addressing this challenge. Obviously, I am not the expert here. You are. So I'll be just curious to hear your reactions to my thoughts. Oh, absolutely. I think I think we're on the same page, uh, Dr. Dave, in terms of, you know, in, in your cybersecurity experience and, mm-hmm. and knowledge, you know, it's, it's very clear that, you know, most end users are not 
engineered towards malfeasance and bad behavior. It's carelessness. And the greatest insider threat is that sort of carelessness and lack of awareness, right? You know, kind of not seeing yourself in context of how you're working, what you're doing, what you might be sharing. And so that really can be rectified through training, through policy, as you discussed. And, you know, as much as end users hate it, through repetition, right? People only are going to start to get this when they hear it regularly. It's baked into their culture. You're getting those emails and you're getting the training. And then finally, the technology implementation. You know, for example, we have dashboards when it comes to meetings risk management that will tell an administrator, hey, here are your users that violated a policy. Now, that doesn't mean that the policy was catastrophic to the organization. It doesn't mean that they did something that's going to have regular. It's, it means that they maybe they shared their desktop with an outside, you know, an outside user and that goes against policy. And they've done that. Maybe that's valid to do occasionally, but they do it all the time. And that shows up in the report. You know, then you have a feedback loop and it says, these are my users that that show up on the weekly report. These are the ones I need to talk to. These are the ones I need to say, hey, reminder, have you seen the policy? You know, you need to not turn those controls off or you need to, you know, have a meeting that uses a sanctioned sanctioned desktop tool and, and not, not something you've implemented or something like that. Or why are you using Zoom all week and Teams on the weekend and having calls on your laptop on Teams on Saturdays and Sundays? What's going on there? But it's a feedback loop and, you know, it's repetition awareness, implementation, you know, through audit and then technical feedback. Totally yeah, agree. Absolutely. And we're not there yet. You know, I think it's yes. Yes. Organizations are grappling with the first stage of how do I plug the gap? How do I make people productive but also, you know, compliant and secure? And then we're going to get into I think the finer evolution of policy and so forth because it's just too much at this juncture to to expect all of those things to, to happen at once. Very true. You know, there's something I'd like to share with uh, you and the listeners. You might be aware of this, and so might be the listeners. But um, I was interviewing uh, an expert recently, and he shared a very interesting stat. He said that research finds a 44% increase in insider threat incidents across all types of organizations. And 56% of the reported incidents were due to negligence. And to remediate such negligent incident, organizations had paid close to the tune of $6.6 million. And he made another very important point, and I'll make the connection shortly. He said, no amount of technology can really address this issue until or unless Human beings are willing to make the commitment and they are made aware and they are well-trained. So he was emphasizing the human factor in terms of achieving a certain level of communication robustness, which is in sync with what you are saying is about this communication and awareness training and trusting people to make the right calls and providing them with the necessary tools, technologies, 
and whatever else that is required. So they are protected when there can be times where due to fatigue or who knows what, they might just slip up a little bit. So it's more about helping individuals do the right things so that the communication is secure as compared to gotcha, you made a mistake, you should have done better. So I don't know if this makes sense, but but yeah. It does. It absolutely does. It's an ongoing process and it's, you know, it has fits and starts and it doesn't necessarily, it has to be just like, we keep talking about the fabric of the workplace. I think yeah. policy works best when it's not some sort of abstract reality that you pull out when a bad thing happens and go, hey, we have a policy, yes. <laughs> but yes. if no one knew about it, if and if you're not auditing it and you're not periodically checking to see that it's being followed, well, then you don't have a policy. You know, you have a piece of paper that's um, right. that, that satisfies a, a checkbox, but that's that's not it, right? It's so true. You know, um, I emphasize this a lot that, yes, you have policies, but do you review your policies regularly? Do you test your policies to see if they are working? It's not meant to be something that is written up to show the auditors that, yes, we have policies. You know, make sure the policies are relevant, they are updated, they are being tested. That reflects yeah. a substantive intent towards compliance. You, you will agree, Garth, that you an organization can take two approaches. One approach is check the box, do what is required to meet regulatory guidelines. The other is, yes, check the box, but with a real intent of yeah. addressing the security risk, trying to do better, going above and beyond. I think that latter approach is what will give good results and is sustainable over the long run. In my commitment preparedness discipline framework, I emphasize the importance of creating and sustaining a high-performance information security culture. And why do I um, emphasize culture? Because only when you create that culture, that work ethic, is it sustainable. This is not some kind of a stopgap treatment where, yes, let's be more secure with our communication channels because otherwise we're going to get fined heavily. Etch it into work practices. You used, you put it rather well. It should be become part of the organizational fabric. So it becomes muscle memory and through repetition, like you said, repetition, reinforcement, people get really good at it. They now know that when I'm using a video chat, these are the do's and don'ts, or when I'm using WhatsApp, this is what I should be doing. This is what I should not be doing. I think that's kind of where we need to go with the solution. Yeah. And, and you know, I think I, I agree, obviously. There's another thing I was thinking about, too, that if you're listening to this podcast and you're you're saying, well, this all sounds important and good. And, you know, these are the right things to do. But what what's in it for my organization? Right. And yeah. we may be th- people may think, listen to this guidance, and go, that sounds like an ideal. But to your point, if it's baked into the way you work, it really becomes a competitive advantage if you do it well. If you are able to prevent data loss or able to prevent not being fined and sanctioned, 
And, you know, that's part of the way you work is because you're efficient, you're lean, you're not over rotating and trying to put out these fires when they occur. You know, chances are, if you reach that sort of level of of aptitude, you're going to be in a place that your competitors are not. And competitors are going to be dealing with fines, sanctions, bad press, data loss, security issues, you know, reticence from investors, you know, employees, everything. It has a negative pull. So you can you can think of this from a market perspective and and less of an ideal and what's good and right to do. I mean, we all think in terms of what's right to do. And of course, we want to do the right thing. But if you need to look at it in just economic terms, it can make perfect dollars and cents. I won't make a pun there with cents, but, uh, you know, that that can be your re- your reason for being uh, getting a black belt, so to speak, in, in governance, risk and compliance and security. Yeah, it really is. It really, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said, look at this as a strategic opportunity, not as, oh, here comes another set of regulations. Now we have to worry about getting penalized. It's a pain. It's becoming a problem to uh, do business, to get employees to coordinate and collaborate as freely as possible. But instead of taking that approach, if there is a mind shift and say, okay, here's an opportunity to show how good we as an organization are when it comes to securing communication, that we set the standard, that could be a source of revenue that would enhance the reputation of the organization. And it is my hunch, you can call it prediction, that that day is not far away. When companies are going to be ranked based on their security hygiene, based on their communication hygiene. So therefore, this is not an idealistic talk. Neither is this a talk simply driven by by, uh, mandates. So we we are talking about a proactive approach that is driven by a change in the mind shift where the leaders are looking at this apparent challenge as actually a strategic opportunity. Yeah. I can't emphasize that enough. You know, operating out of a negative or the worst case scenario never works. It's a short-term answer, you know, the sort of carrot and stick. I can tell you from a personal vantage point, working with our customers, people buy Theta Lake not because they're afraid of the worst case scenario. No one thinks they're going to be frog marched out in an orange jumpsuit and on the front page of the Wall Street Journal with their handcuffs uh, in back of them, right? They don't, they don't think in those terms. They think in terms of and when they invest and partner with us, how can I do my job better? I only have so much time in the day. I have limited resources. If I'm in IT, how can I manage and put security and compliance into the fabric of these communication tools that I'm shepherding, that I'm sponsoring, that I'm investing in. If you're in compliance and you need to review and look for policy violations and potential malfeasance and all of those things, it's a numbers game. There's so much data. There's so much you know, high volume uh, data and context switching. There's only so many hours a day. They have to review hundreds of thousands of messages you know, to use an email term, but it's no longer messages per year. How are they going to do that? So it's a really a productivity game. 
And so, you know, when they invest in Theta Lake, they look at it from that perspective. How am I going to be better at these necessary tasks rather than how do I, you know, avoid avoid fine sanctions? That's an after effect. If you do the work, those things don't happen, right? So that's really the place to operate from. I just want to turn to one point you were talking about on policy that really sparked a thought, which was you said, are policies up to date and are they reflective of the way our workplace has evolved the last few years? That's an important one when it comes to the use of email is going to be very different from the use of a whiteboard or a WebEx or a Zoom. The other thing that comes into play there is from the regulator standpoint, they're having the same challenge, Dr. Dave, and that is some of these regulations in the United States have been in existence since the Great Depression. <laughs> they were oriented towards paper records, right? Uh, yep. And, you know, how do, you know, you used to have bankers boxes full of paper. Today, a business record is, you know, ephemeral, ephemeral, it's, you know, it's persistent chat, it's, you know, it's here today, gone tomorrow. And what constitutes a record? They're evaluating that. They're saying, is a whiteboard a written communication? Is in-meeting chat? Yes, you know, in-meeting chat is a written communication that has the same validity that an email does. So they're grappling with that too. It's not just us at the organizational sense, it's also at the, you know, regulatory level as well. Very true. Thanks for uh, sharing that. Okay. So uh, I wanted to cover two more things before we wrap this up. This is such an interesting discussion, Garth, and I know that we could have, we could go on and on. So the two final um, research findings that I want you to address, the first one has to do with the archiving challenge. I'm going to read a little bit from this report, which says, existing archiving solutions have blind spots and limitations. 39% of the respondents cite gaps in coverage as a top challenge with their current archiving tools. And the next finding, which also grabbed my attention, is that 85% of organizations experience challenges in retrieving records and thereby exposing them to potential fines and sanctions for not being able to provide timely information for investigations. So, you know, can you address this archival and retrieval challenge uh, together? Yeah. On the archival front, it's very simple, right? You know, we think about the evolution of the workplace and archiving digital communications began with email, you know, basically over 20 years ago now. And those email archiving tools, which many are still in existence and organizations invested in uh, a long time ago, and you know they have a lot of data housed in them, have not adapted. They're not built for the cloud. They were built for email, um, and they weren't built for modern communication. So basically, you're, you're taking, it's the proverbial square peg, round hole problem. Mm -hmm. you're, you're using a solution that wasn't built for today's communications, and trying to, to make it work. So the way those tools work is, in many cases, they are taking a, a chat communication, which is a continuous stream, and breaking it into individual emails, if you can imagine that and what that looks like. So then reviewers, you know, on a compliance and security team have to read all, you know, have to look at those. And it's overwhelming. You know, you lose context, you lose fidelity, you don't have emojis, reactions, GIFs, 
you know, memes, whatever, however people are communicating today, that's lost in the mix. So the first problem is they don't, they don't really support modern communications. The second one really is that they're also unable to keep up with the innovation and all of the modalities today. Now, some of them will say, we support a Zoom or we support Teams or we support WebEx or what have you. And, and what they're really saying is, we support one of the modalities. We support chat, but we don't support video. We support voice, but we don't support chat or, you know, we support two of the three modalities. Um, and then, you know, maybe we store it as something that looks like an email. So they're unable to keep up with the innovation and all of the rapid user enhancements that are taking place at the platform level. You know, they don't partner with those firms necessarily. They're not invested. Those modern collaboration platforms aren't invested in them like they are with Theta Lake. And that's a challenge. The third one is, you know, and this is, a challenge too for organizations, you know, they're unable to switch because those vendors are basically holding customers' data hostage. You know, they're holding all of that email in a repository somewhere, might be in the in the cloud today, but it's still under the purview of the vendor. And so these are some real archiving challenges and, and make customers, you know, make organizations really hesitant to do anything. They've been sort of burned by change in the past. They're stuck with the vendors they have. The vendors are unable to, you know, keep up with the innovation and changes that are taking place at the modern communication level. And they're built for email. So it's it's an uneasy feeling, you know, for regulated firms, for example, that are trying to make sense and say, I want to, you know, do this as easily as possible. And, you know, one thing I'll say about Fatal Lake is, we're seamlessly integrated with all of those modern communication types, over 100 today. And we support your existing archiving investments. We can channel, funnel data to them and, you know, retain the context. So our job is to really, you know, sit between organizations' platform of choice at the top end, where they're using their communication level, and then their existing infrastructure so that they don't have to do a rip and replace today. Now, on the search front, you mentioned, you know, the finding that really the inability to, to quickly retrieve and search for information is, is an overwhelming one. And that makes sense. Um, we talked a lot today about the different modalities, right? It's like a force multiplier. You know, you use two or three or four platforms, then you multiply it across the three modalities of what's typed or shared on screen, what's said and vocalized, and then what was presented in video. You know, those are all make it exponentially harder to find and uncover what you're looking for, whether it's a security or compliance risk or possible violation, you know, whether you're trying to do some sort of case management or investigation or, or e-discovery, um, organizations are challenged with this. And another reason why is because they have different investigative tools and compliance solutions for different modalities or for different content types. And so, now they're forced to really, you know, search individually across a, a content repository of, excuse me, SharePoint or another one that has voice records or another that has email. And they're forced to sort of try to piece that together. So again, uh, you know, not to, not to talk about us too much, but what Data Lake does is it harmonizes and presents that single governance application layer so that you can funnel up the different, uh, the different 
modalities and different content types into a unified search and, and filter. And of course, with the volume of data that we have today, the big topic that everyone has is, you know, AI and machine learning. And that's a necessary ingredient today where, you know, you can't review and look at all of this at a human level. It's just impossible. There's no way to, to really do that. And so th those technologies are a real part of the workplace today. Well, thank you so much. This has been uh, most informative and educational. I know listeners will greatly benefit from your insights, Garth. And just to be objective and fair, um, I'm sure Theta Lake offers a great product, uh, but I would encourage listeners to explore competing products and do what is best for that organization. Our goal here, Absolutely. our goal here was more to inform and guide, and we were not trying to push any particular technology. And I know Garth would not do that as well. But Garth, uh, you shared so much. So now I have a final challenge for you. As, uh -oh. we <laughs> as we wrap this up, share a few final words. If there were three or four takeaways that listeners should walk away with from today's discussion, what should they yeah. be? Well, I think the first one would be, first, first thing I'll say is the way we embraced you know, remote work and modern communications three years ago in a, in, a, in a massive sea change is here to stay. You know, we can talk about return to office. We can talk about hybrid workplace, all of these distinctions. But the reality is this is the way that users are communicating. In many cases, things like chat and increasingly video are surpassing email usage. So that's a reality. Acknowledge it and recognize that, you know, the way that security and compliance is still applicable. You know, many of the things we've done in the past are still applicable, but we need to adapt them. We need to recognize, you know, the differences and we need to be consistent. Um, we talked today about really taking incremental steps towards security and compliance so that we can be successful and so that we can idealize, you know, what those outcomes look like. And once we've done it once, it becomes easier to repeat. So, you know, keep it simple. And, and most importantly, you know, uh, for you governance, security uh, and compliance professionals listening today, you know, recognize that um, it, you're going to gain a lot of trust and, and good feedback and behavior by partnering and working with the business and taking their pulse and resisting that urge to say no because the technology is out there to really get to that balance point of maximum productivity, productive IT, but productive and efficient and compliant work as well. So I'll leave you with that. Uh, thank you again for the opportunity. It was an honor and privilege. I've looked forward to this for a long time and uh, I've really enjoyed it today. Thank you. Wonderful, and Garth, uh, as you know, I just completed recording my 50th episode so it is special so thanks yes, that, congratulations to you that's a lot of work and a lot for you folks um, listening today it's a lot of preparation for dr dave he does an amazing job working with his guests so 50 is no small feat congratulations and uh, look forward to many more thank you sir it's it you know the work is well worth it especially when i get to have these kinds of discussions with amazing 
subject matter experts such as yourself. So thanks again for your time. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to future discussions. All right. Have a great day. A special thanks to Garth Landers for his time and insights. If you like what you heard, please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network. Also, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only. The discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization.